When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I worked as a park ranger. So one night I received a distress call about a group of hikers who had become trapped in an uncharted section of the deep forest. Determined to find them, I set out on patrol, equipped with my flashlight and a compass. The darkness enveloped the trees, casting eerie shadows that danced with every gust of wind. As I made my way along the trail, my heart pounded in anticipation. The hikers had reported their approximate location, and I focused on following their path. But as I ventured deeper into the forest, 
A strange feeling washed over me, a feeling that I was being watched. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a figure appeared in the distance. My heart skipped a beat as I strained my eyes to see. As I drew closer, my breath caught in my throat. It was a creature I had never encountered before. It resembled a Sasquatch, but its thick red hair and deep, piercing human-like eyes set it apart. I called out, my voice echoing through the trees, demanding answers. But the creature simply disregarded me and disappeared into the dense woods, leaving me stunned and filled with an inexplicable mixture of awe and confusion. What had I just witnessed? Was it truly a Bigfoot or merely an elaborate prank? Shaking off the encounter, I continued my search for the lost hikers. Their safety was my primary concern, and I pushed myself to navigate through the labyrinth of trees and underbrush. The sounds of rustling leaves and distant animal calls intensified my determination. Finally, after what felt like an eternity, I stumbled upon the hikers. They were exhausted and frightened but relieved to see me. I quickly reassured them and guided them back towards the safety of the established trails. As I led them out of the wilderness, my mind remained fixated on the creature I had encountered earlier. Once the hikers were safe, I took a moment to reflect. What was the true nature of the creature I had seen? This incident occurred in 2004. I was working as a park ranger at Cuyahoga Valley National Park in North Central Ohio. I knew nothing about Ohio since I had grown up on the West Coast. I had actually volunteered for the 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. shift when it was available. I was a night owl at the time. One night around 3 a.m. I got this alert from one of the campsites saying that they couldn't find their friend. That part of that particular campground was out on a small peninsula. There were some coves and curved roads that made it easy to get turned around walking at night. It actually happened a lot. I got there and the friends seemed a little more scared than usual. They said that they had been searching for an hour already and there was no sign of their friend. They all seemed to be about 18 to 20 years old and smelled of alcohol. I didn't call law enforcement right away because often a drunk person would fall asleep on someone else's chair or picnic table, so we were usually able to find them soon enough. The missing friend had been sleeping in a tent by himself, while the rest were still sitting around the fire. Apparently, he was too tired to stay awake anymore and had gone into his tent to lie down. They said around 2 a.m. they heard him rustling around in his tent. They went over to help him out and to see what was going on. He had walked into the nearby trees to relieve himself, but then he didn't come back out the trees. There shouldn't have been much of an area to get lost in. We all kept calling his cell phone. It rang, but there was no answer. I was concerned about drowning too, so I followed his footsteps in the mud which I was assuming were his. The footprints then stopped abruptly well before the water, still in the trees. I looked around and it didn't seem like he could have jumped anywhere and most of the trees around there were too big to be climbed. The footsteps just ended. They didn't backtrack or anything a little weird. We all kept searching until about 4 a.m. and then called it off. I told them let's just wait until morning. It was most likely that he had fallen asleep out of sight somewhere so they all went back to their tents to try to get some sleep. I was way too wired to go home, so I actually kept at it. I was used to staying up all night anyway, 
and I just wanted to go sit down by the water and stay alert in case I noticed anything. On my way over there, I saw two things dangling down from a tree up ahead, and when I got close enough to see more clearly, I just freaked out. I started backing away. They were feet, but they were not human feet. I just let out this gasp, and then all of a sudden, this thing swooped out of the tree like a bat out of hell. All I could think was that it was some kind of a vulture or something. It was gigantic with probably a 10-foot wingspan, and it had flown down to the water's edge with these huge leathery wings. It was at least as tall as me, and I'm six foot in height. It then turned around, and it looked at me with these red glowing eyes. All of this happened in a matter of seconds. I realized it wasn't any kind of a bird for sure, and it didn't look like it had a beak. It didn't even look like it had a face. I just saw darkness in these red glowing eyes at that point. I became really concerned about the missing friend. I lost it, and I just started yelling at the creature. It turned around, and it ran along the shore until I couldn't see it anymore. I was sure we were about to find a dead body, but then I heard this rustling in the bushes, and this half-naked person comes crawling out. It was the missing friend. When he was able to make sense, he said that he had gone to the lake to wash himself, and the freaky winged thing had scared him half to death. He'd been under the bushes hiding and had passed out by then. I felt like I wasn't even in my right mind anymore. I took the guy back to the campsite, and I eventually got back to my office and checked out. I couldn't take it anymore. I had no clue how to even begin making sense of it all after that. I decided to switch to the day shift, and it ended up being a lot better for me. I eventually left the job at the park in 2008, moved back west, and now work for the state of California. After a stressful day at work, I had gone over to my friend's apartment to shoot the breeze, eat some food and play a few games on my friend's PS4. It was getting late and I had to be up fairly early the next day. My friend walked me out to the parking lot to my car. There was no one else in the parking lot, just us two. As I was unlocking my car, a dog walked out from the side of a nearby building about 25 feet away. It came fully into view and stopped to look at us. It was a little bigger than a standard Great Dane. It was all black with long hair that appeared to be falling out in clumps. It had long ears and a long, scraggly tail. I remember making eye contact with it. It had dark maroon-colored eyes, and in the moment we locked eyes, it smiled at us. But instead of a dog's lips going up and back, the lips went slightly sideways and I saw white human teeth. I recall suddenly getting a feeling of dread and fear. I felt like it was something disguised as a dog and pretending to be a dog. But it wasn't a dog. I'm certain of it. The energy coming off of this thing didn't feel dog-like. I don't know how else to describe it, but my hair went up on end. It turned around from us and began limping slowly back around the corner from where it had stepped out from. It seemed to have most of its weight on its front legs, walking with a hunched back. When it was limping away, I noticed its rear left foot was wrapped in blue gauze and the foot looked very odd. The heel was actually parallel to the ground. I am unsure if my friend saw exactly what I saw, but she suddenly said, it's leaving, let's follow it. And she ran after the damn thing right after it disappeared around the corner. 
I remember being scared for my friend, so I went sprinting after her. I rounded the corner to find my friend looking around confused. The dog thing was gone. At the rate that it was walking and limping, and given the close proximity to us, which again was no more than 25 feet, there was no way that it could have disappeared that quickly. The air was suddenly extremely cold, even for South Texas January. My teeth were chattering, and I told my friend to quickly go back to her apartment, lock the door and stay inside. I warned her that that thing was not a dog, and told her I'd text her when I got home. Once safe at home, I texted my friend and thought that was going to be the end of it. But even as I settled into bed, my heart was racing. It didn't help that around 12 a.m., there was low whistling right outside my window. My neighbor's house isn't too far from mine, but they're good people, and there is no logical reason for them to be that close to my window at night, whistling. I didn't make any indication that I was aware of the whistling. It wasn't even musical, just the sort of whistle someone is giving if they're trying to get attention. Eventually, the whistling stopped and I heard nothing else. I had trouble sleeping. I haven't seen anything or experienced anything like it since. I would like to state that although I do believe people experience alien abductions on a regular basis, I don't think I fall into that category. However, I do suffer from various sleep conditions, such as insomnia and night terrors, and I've had a few experiences that certainly fall into the attempted abduction category, even though I don't believe it's happening to me. But you're welcome to judge for yourself if you like. A few months into a new relationship, I woke up to find a huge seven-foot-tall, at least reptilian being with horns grabbing me by the wrists and trying to pull me out of bed. This is what I saw, as in I was asleep at the time, in the middle of sleep paralysis, very aware that this was happening, but not being able to do anything about it. So I struggled to fight off the thing and break out of the sleep paralysis episode. To my sleeping boyfriend, now husband, he thought I was stirring in my sleep. So he moved so I could get up and I punched him full in the face. Of course, once that happened, I snapped out of it and was hugely embarrassed by what had happened, but he was thankfully okay about it. On another occasion, I woke up in my room in the middle of an sleep paralysis episode, unable to move, very aware that there were two greys in my room. One next to my bed, one at the head of my bed. I mentally thought, OMG, there are greys in my room. They began to disappear through the wall and the floor and almost instantly the sleep paralysis lifted. Since that moment I have slept with the TV on or some sort of light source, I'm 36 years old if I happen to be on my own for whatever reason. It seems to stop the episodes strangely enough. I've also experienced missing time. I used to work in a convenience store and the route from my house to the store involved a short walk to the end of my road, crossing another road and circling a block of shops. And all around a 10 minute walk if I take it slow. So, one morning after a particularly nasty bout of insomnia, I left my house at a quarter to six in the morning for my 6 a.m. start. I walk down my road and begin crossing the other road when my manager calls me on my phone. Where are you? It's 20 past seven. I've had to open on my own. Somehow that little five minute walk to the end of my road had taken me nearly an hour and a half, and I have no explanation as to why. 
There hadn't been a time change due here in England. We go forward back an hour twice a year, and even if there had, smartphones, etc. Change automatically. I don't recall anything about the morning walk, apart from feeling like I was waxing through treacle because I was so tired. I grew up on a street that opened up to a huge canyon or national park that had a train track running through the middle of it. My cousins and I would walk down it all the time when we were younger and explore. It had a very, very minor homeless problem in which men would live down there and walk up through the neighborhoods. Cops were called, and for the most part, it was pretty empty. When I was 13, I decided to walk my dog on my own down in the canyon. We had done it before, and I thought nothing of it. As we get down to the trail, we begin walking, and after five minutes, I get a weird feeling I shouldn't be there. I grab my dog's leash and decide to run up the side of the canyon which opened up into my neighbor's backyards. I am almost all the way up, sprinting through ice plants when I stop to take a breath and look down. I see two rough-as-shit-looking homeless men walking on the trail I was just on. Now, I don't want to assume anything here, but as a 13-year-old girl still wearing her school uniform, I was flipping terrified. I don't know what told me to leave, but I'm glad I did. Definitely one of the creepiest things I've experienced. The following story may sound somewhat far-fetched given the accused shapeshifter's reputation, but I believe my friend 100%. Basically, a well-known Lakota chief was a shapeshifter and practitioner of black magic. My friend in Rosebud, South Dakota, told me that she has seen his legs begin to turn to dog legs during the ceremony where she was a food vendor. She would beat a hasty retreat when she would see this. She is from Oregon and is part of the Klamath tribe. Oddly, out in Oregon, she was adopted by Lakota people and then married a Lakota man. The following story is somewhat sordid and tragic. My friend reported to me that the Lakota chief was getting up in years and had a much younger wife. This wife was so shameless that she would yell out of her tent at powwows and other gatherings, asking who would come and service her because her old man cannot do so. I'm ready to barf just typing that, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, and stupidly, my friend's son SB became involved with Lakota Chief's wife. This got SB a mark on his head. SB was beaten and left for dead by the Lakota Chief's henchmen. A good Samaritan stopped and got him help, and he was revived. Later, SB was called because he heard that a res girl was being attacked. That time, SB was killed by the Lakota chief's men who had set him up. They kept moving the body, so it took five years to find it. Nobody in the tribe would talk, and there has never been justice for SB. The Lakota chief and his family were a bunch of meth-head, black magicians. The chief himself was a shapeshifter and murderer. If you compare the obituary in the Lakota times to that of the rest of the world, you will see exactly what the actual Lakota people thought of him vs. The glamorous image and legacy he left behind. This is a case of bad people sometimes doing the right thing. I thought that I would mention this to you as it is an example of shapeshifting, possibly skinwalker, as far north as South Dakota. As to a bundle and pipe given to the Lakota, it was later sold it to two German women several years ago after the holder became drunk. The woman who bought it died soon after. 
As in the churches, there is a serious illness in the medicine lodge. My Hopi friend recently told me that they have a prophecy that states, our children will kill us. In the next breath, he said that everyone in his village is walking around like zombies with their cell phones. It would appear that the prophecy is being fulfilled right now. This was a heavy note to receive. Our incident took place in January 2017. We had just moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico. My wife and I were newlyweds from a small community in the Midwest. Being naive and new to living in the city, I would answer the door without giving it a second thought. Never again. There were several loud knocks at six Susan in the morning, which was unusual, and it should have dawned on me to be cautious. My wife and I had been getting ready for work, a pretty regular routine. The moment I opened the door, I was feeling a strange rush of fear and foreboding. There stood a teenage boy of average height and build with a black leather coat, black hair, and sunglasses. The sunglasses at 6 a.m. struck me as odd. Then I noticed he was eating a pear. He simply asked if he could come in and warm up. I said, sorry, but no. I closed the door and slid the security chain into place. A few minutes later, another knock. I opened the now chained door, and before I could speak, he asked again if he could come in and warm up. I replied, no, and attempted to close the door. Before the door could shut, he put his hand out and abruptly stopped the door, as if he had no issue with getting his fingers smashed against the frame. He looked at me, still wearing his sunglasses, and said, can I at least get something to wipe my hands? I said, get the hell out of here. My wife is calling the police. He smiles, lowers his glasses, revealing eyes as black and shiny as obsidian, and says, No, you won't be calling anybody. At that moment, I force the door closed, lock it, and call out to my wife. She was totally freaked out by this time while hiding in the bedroom. I rip the curtains back to look out the window next to the door. He's gone. Absolutely no trace of him. I go out on the patio and check the gate. It's still latched from the inside. I look up and down the street. Nothing. Then I look down. There is a half-eaten pear lying on the sidewalk. Driving one night, I went down the country road my aunt lived on at the time. She had llamas, and even though they were off to the side, and it was nighttime, I could still see them well enough with the glow of the headlights illuminating to the sides. I could see their fur, the colors and patterns. Right then I noticed in front of my car was a very tall, solid black figure, slim with long arms, and its eyes reflected the headlights. If I could see the fur of the llamas without direct light on them, I'd definitely know with this thing right in front of me that it had no texture. Just solid black except those eyes. It walked off the road into the woods. We live outside of Houston, Texas. My wife and I were at home and in our backyard. It was a beautiful cloudy day on 10-21-2021. I first noticed one cloud stop while the rest moved on. I asked my wife to watch it as well. We noticed a swirl in the cloud until it opened. I'm not sure if it was a portal, but it grabbed my attention. Three figures flew out of the opening and then transform into human form. 
They were light-skinned with long hair with fitted outfits that resembled the villainous characters from Superman 2. They hovered in front of the portal area as if to be checking something. We noticed the windows of the craft, which caused us to also notice the doorway of the ship open. We then observed the other beings in the background of the doorway, as if they were riding on a train or subway. We saw two of the human-like figures go back inside and walk down a stairway into the inside and fade away as they went down the stairs. The remaining figure began to look at us. We felt the intuition of knowing that they were intentionally showing themselves to us for whatever reason. The last figure flew inside the portal and entered the craft's doorway. He touched the open part of the portal and swiped it with his hand and the portal began to close as if automated. The cloud begins to swirl. It then faded away and simply vanished. We remained in the yard and were discussing what we had witnessed. About an hour later, as we were sitting on our patio, a black SUV pulled into our driveway. Two men dressed in all black clothing and sunglasses got out of the SUV and walked toward us. The lead man didn't greet us, but immediately asked if we had reported what we had witnessed in the sky. We were shocked. We responded that we had not reported the event. I then asked them who they were. They didn't answer. They both turned and got back into the SUV and pulled away. That was the last time either of us have seen them. I will mention that the man spoke in a monotone voice that was somewhat high-pitched in tone. Their skin color was weirdly opaque as well. In fact, the two men looked like they could have been twins. I still have no explanation. Do you believe that these were what people refer to as men in black? Something pretty crazy happened to my best friend and I about six years ago. It was the summer after we graduated high school, so we were in that transition phase between high school and college. No responsibilities, no worries. We played a shit ton of video games during the day took spur-of-the-moment road trips to a bunch of places, and often stayed up all hours of the night. Late one particular night, we were driving around in my friend's dad's old Volvo, and we stumbled upon the entrance to a nearby canyon we had never heard of or been to. By this time, it was about three in the morning, but we were curious. So we start heading up the road. We were in high spirits. Music loud. Cracking jokes in weird accents. The usual. But down the road, we see this sign. It was one of those cement road barriers. There was a number of them parallel to the road, but this one was placed perpendicular, and it said, No camping in X Canyon, in red spray paint. My friend and I looked at each other. We thought that was a little weird. With most of the nearby canyons, whichever government entity that maintains them has official metal or wood signs erected. But it wasn't anything too out of the ordinary, so we shrugged it off and kept going. At the base of the canyon, it was mostly meadows with low bushes, but further in, it became much more wooded. The scrub oak had grown tall over the road, creating a sort of tunnel. It was beginning to feel a little eerie and claustrophobic, but we weren't the skittish type. We both acknowledged the creep factor of the canyon and kept driving. Then another sign. This time it's plywood nailed to a tree, said the same thing. No camping, red spray paint. Again, we're thinking, what the hell is with this place? So now we're both fairly sketched out. 
but we didn't really know why. Yes, the makeshift signs were odd, but maybe whoever maintained the canyon just hadn't gotten the official signs put up yet. Yes, the forest had a spooky vibe, but don't all forests feel like that at night? So again, we kept going. But the further in we went, the less we talked, until we both didn't really say anything. Then it happened. Up ahead, through the scraggly tree branches, we see this light. A campfire. We slow down. My friend asks me what time it is, so I check my watch. 3.45 a.m. You know that, oh shit. Feeling of deep, intense dread. Instantaneously, we both have it. I say we need to turn around, but the canyon road is too narrow, so my friend just starts saying shit over and over as he drives forward. Looking back, I'm not sure why we didn't just floor it driving past the fire, but I think despite the fear, we both had to know what was going on. So we drive up pretty slow, going maybe 10-15 miles per hour. The first thing that came into view was a bunch of cars parked in this clearing, just at the edge of the firelight. Then in the middle of the clearing we see the campfire, and a group of seven-eight figures standing around it in a loose circle. They weren't wearing anything strange. They didn't seem to have any weapons. There didn't seem to be anything other than wood burning in the fire. But there were no tents, no camping chairs, and every single one of them were frozen in place, staring at us as we passed. The second we get beyond view, my friend and I lost our marbles. I screamed at him to floor it, so he hit the gas until we came to a turnout just a little down the road where my buddy made a miraculous U-turn. However, I do vaguely remember almost careening off a cliff. At any rate, we came flying back down the road, and again we see the fire coming up quick. Keep in mind, it's only been a minute, maybe a minute and a half, since we first drove past. The clearing came into view, and I shit you not, everyone is gone. The cars are still there. The fire is still there. But every single one of the figures is just straight up gone. We didn't call the police or even really talk about it much after that until, several weeks later, we decided to go back in the daytime just to see what was there. But when we got to the bottom of the canyon, those same cement barriers were now placed across the road, blocking the entrance. The one with red spray paint was conspicuously missing. Posted on one of the barriers was a metal sign that read, X Canyon closed due to ongoing police investigation. It was a crisp morning in June 1980 when my friend and I decided to embark on an adventure to visit our friend's newly constructed lean-to on Snow King Mountain near Jackson, Wyoming. Little did we know that this journey would take an unexpected turn forever etching an encounter with the unknown in our memories. As we made our way up the mountain, excitement filled the air. We relished the opportunity to explore the wilderness and soak in the beauty of nature. However, our enthusiasm quickly turned to trepidation as we stumbled upon something that defied all logic and reason. There, amidst the towering trees and rugged terrain, we came face to face with a sight that would forever haunt us. A hairy, man-like creature stood before us, its massive frame reaching a staggering twelve feet in height. Long, dark hair cascaded down its hunchback form, with arms extending almost to the ground. Fear gripped us as we stared into the creature's simian-like face, which seemed as large as a stop sign. Its heavy breaths filled the air, 
accompanied by a hot. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Haunting moaning growl that sent shivers down our spines. We knew we had encountered something truly extraordinary, something that defied our understanding of the natural world. Instinctively, we turned and ran, desperate to escape the presence of this mysterious creature. To our dismay, it pursued us relentlessly, never relenting in its pursuit. We could hear the creature's eerie sounds reverberating through the trees as we sprinted, hearts pounding in our chests. The chase seemed never-ending, our adrenaline-fueled sprint blurring the boundaries between reality and the surreal. It was as if we had stumbled into a realm of myth and legend, where the lines between human and beast were blurred. Finally, as our strength waned, we reached a streetlight near the Ramada Snow King Inn in Jackson. Gasping for breath, we dared to glance back, hoping to catch a glimpse of the creature that had pursued us so relentlessly. And there it stood, under the flickering light, a specter in the night, before it vanished into the depths of the surrounding darkness. We staggered back, our minds reeling with disbelief at the surreal encounter we had just experienced. Rushing to the local police, we shared our tale, knowing deep down that few would believe the magnitude of our encounter. The memory of that day still lingers, etched into the fabric of our beings. We were forever changed, forever aware that there are realms beyond our comprehension, where creatures lurk in the shadows, challenging our notions of what is possible. Though the world may scoff at our story, dismissing it as mere imagination or trickery, we know the truth. We crossed paths with the unknown, with a creature that defied explanation, leaving us with a profound sense of awe and an everlasting curiosity about the mysteries that lie hidden in the depths of our world. I was driving from Las Vegas to Lake Havasu City in my truck, and it was around 1 a.m. The roads were mostly empty, and the dark nights stretched out ahead of me. After passing through searchlight, I found myself on a stretch of two-lane road, with bushes lining each side, seemingly reaching out towards the asphalt. As I cruised along, the monotony of the road started to take its toll on my senses. The rhythmic hum of the engine provided a comforting backdrop to the quiet desert night. But then, out of nowhere, a peculiar sight caught my attention. There, just before I passed, a large bush bent towards the road at an angle of about 60 degrees. It appeared as if something had forcefully knocked it over, causing it to lean precariously. Confusion and curiosity mingled in my mind. None of the other bushes seemed to be affected by the wind or any other external factors. It was an isolated incident, standing out like a mysterious anomaly in the stillness of the night. I couldn't shake the eerie feeling that something out of the ordinary had just occurred. Uncertainty filled the air as I continued my journey, my foot pressing the accelerator, propelling me forward at a speed of 90 to 100 miles per hour. The road stretched out before me, seemingly endless, 
and I couldn't help but steal glances in the rearview mirror, half expecting the bush to have righted itself or to witness some other strange occurrence. Eventually, the two-lane road led me to the freeway, where the atmosphere shifted. The sense of isolation gave way to the presence of other vehicles, their headlights piercing through the darkness. I merged onto the freeway, leaving the enigmatic encounter behind me. As I continued my drive, my mind raced with possibilities, trying to make sense of what I had witnessed. Was it a trick of the light, an odd gust of wind, or something entirely inexplicable? The image of that bent bush lingered in my thoughts, like a puzzle piece that refused to fit. My cousin recently moved here from Secunderabad, India. On a recent road trip exploring America, we were shooting shit, exchanging ghost stories, and laughing at sea and differences between American and Indian ghost stories when I asked her if she's ever experienced anything supernatural. Her eyes widened as she averted her eyes to the window. When the silence was about to be too much for me, she softly responded, Yes, a few. One is troubling. In my second year in college, I stayed in an all-girl hostel dorm. I made many friends. We were all delighted to be away from our conservative parents in school. The hostel was so much fun, but it was an ancient building. Electricity was only put in the rooms. Sometimes candles were placed along the windows if a watchman was present. But generally, you were faced with complete darkness once you left the chambers. It's common to wake someone if you need to walk down to the restroom at the end of the hall. We all had a childish fear of being alone in the dark. One night, I had to use the restroom. It was about 4 a.m. I went to my friend's bed and tapped her on the arm. She immediately opened her eyes as soon as I touched her. I apologized for bothering her and told her I needed to pee. She smiled at me and hopped out of bed. Down the hallway, she laughed and danced. I could not see her, but her bangles clanked together loudly, and the bells on her anklets jingled softly. It was very calming. I laughed and sashayed my hips down the hallway with her, too tired to match elaborate arm movements. She said nothing to me, though occasionally I heard her hum one of our favorite Bollywood songs. The same thing happened on our return. Fell back asleep quickly. One awoke pretty late the following day to the sound of men in our room. They surrounded her bed. I bolted from my bed, prepared to protect my friend, when I realized they were college administrators. I peered over closer. My friend's lifeless eyes were fixated on my bed, the same smile on her fact. Her time of death was 11.30 p.m., almost five hours before I woke her. I drove to a local convenience store here near Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania and Monroe County to pick up something to eat. My dog was with me and it was just before midnight. Everything was normal on the way there, but on the way back something weird happened. As I approach a stop sign outside of town, my dog started growling. My dog rarely growls, so when he does I take notice. I looked around and saw a deer walking toward the road from behind a large oak tree. The deer then stepped out onto the road. It's about 50 feet from me, but then the deer starts to walk toward the headlights of my car. As it gets closer, I begin to see its face much clearer. 
At first, I literally shook my head a bit in disbelief. Then I did a double take. The deer had a freaking human face. There was no elongated nose, no big dark eyes. It was a freaking person's face. The eyes had white surrounding dark blue colored pupils and was forward setting, looking directly at me. I just froze. I don't even remember if my dog was growling at this point. I was truly scared by what I was witnessing. It kept looking at me for almost a minute. Then to turned and slowing walk to the other side of the road and then walked off into the woods. I stepped on the gas and got the heck out of there. When I got home, I immediately went inside my house and pour a stiff drink. I needed to know what I saw and went online. I stayed up most of the night looking for an explanation for what I had witnessed. I read a few other accounts of what people referred to as not deer, but nothing as dramatic as what I saw. I'm beginning to believe that I witnessed the results of it, an experiment that went wrong. I found your contact email during my research online. Can you give me an answer as to what I saw? The day was Monday, June 26, 2023. I saw a Sasquatch in 23 cross the Foothills Parkway outside of Maryville, Tennessee. It was huge. The smell it left was a cross of skunk, dead carcass, and swamp mud. It had to be nine feet tall, with shoulders as wide as four feet. Stringy hair, but you could see the muscles underneath flex as it moved. Its thighs were round as a tree trunk. Hardly a neck to it and a cone-type head. Long arms. I would describe it as a half-gorilla and half-Neanderthal man-type animal. I never gave a second thought to a Bigfoot, Sasquatch, or whatever until then. I do not care to see another ever again in person. People are stupid trying to track these animals down. I was off-duty when this happened, but I was also in my uniform still and in a police car. I was driving to the gym, and I get a call from dispatch saying there was an officer down at the local high school where a kid had been stabbed by another student. This made me drive faster since any school violence is extremely dangerous for anybody involved. Even though I'm off shift, I feel like it's my personal duty to attend. As I'm pulling into the parking lot, which is adjacent to the football field, I see a massive black figure running along the fence line about 15 feet off the ground. I had to do a double take. It looked like two legs, but then there were four. It looked almost human, but too big. Its arms were outstretched, as if trying to climb or something, or just stretch out. It then leapt from one side of the fence to the other effortlessly, which made no sense. It was easily 10 to 15 feet in the air. It then ran over to the top of the car and I have no idea what or who this thing was, but it let out this strange guttural yell that made my skin crawl. I can write all of this up in my report when I get back, but I don't think they'll believe me. I figured I would submit this anyway because it's been too long, and I still remember this thing vividly. I'm a cop, my zone partner, and I park our patrol vehicles at the bottom of a long dirt road that leads to an abandoned school. We only do this on night shift when it starts to get slow around 1am. It's a relatively safe place for us to catch up on paperwork or watch some YouTube. We have had several odd experiences there, 
from strange lights that maneuver quickly in the woods to possible UFO sightings. We even found a body down there years ago that still has not been identified. But that's not even the most terrifying. This was around October of 2022 p.m. It was a dead night. Crime was low that time of year partly because of sea and partly because it was cold. We had parked our vehicles side by side, facing opposite directions so that the driver's side windows line up. This is common as our line of work. My partner gets dispatched to a noise complaint and leaves. I use this time to step out or relieve my bladder. As I'm standing outside, I hear a whistle in the woods that are across the abandoned school grounds. These woods are roughly 100 yards from where I am parked. The whistle was a tune, like it came from a human mouth, and it was oddly loud. We do have a homeless problem in my city, but not in the area I patrol. But, I assume a homeless person must have wandered their way to the south side of the city. I get back in my car and roll my window up, anxiously awaiting my partner's return. My partner returns after about 20 minutes. I tell him the story and we move on to other topics. I'm a believer in the paranormal, but he is a skeptic. Within about 30 minutes, he decides that he needs to pee. So he steps out and walks to the rear of his patrol car. He's back there for roughly five seconds. And boom, we hear it again. A loud whistle to the tune of a slow song. The whistle lasts for maybe 10 seconds. He walks back to my window and his face is a pale milky white. So as cops do, we decided to investigate. We grab our flashlights and start walking slowly through the field. That grass is up to our waist. We get to about halfway in the field when we hear it again. But this time it sounds like it's coming from our right side, where the school is. As we are standing there with our flashlights shining on the school, we begin to see the grass start to move. There is no wind. The grass is not moving around us. It looks like something is crawling in the field. The grass is moving slow in a straight path towards us. We begin walking towards the movement. At this point, we both have our hands on our firearms. The air is eerily still, and you could see our breath from the cold. I can tell that my partner is uneasy. We are walking very slow and quiet. As we get about 20 feet away from the moving grass, it stops, and we hear the whistle coming from exactly where our flashlights are shining on the now still grass. Now we are frozen in fear. We are too scared to speak to each other. It feels like minutes pass, but was probably only a few seconds. I go to take a step forward and all of a sudden the grass starts to move again. This time away from us towards the wood line. Only this time it's fast, too fast for us to run after. So we just stand and watch. We watch as the, the moving grass reaches the woods. We both have our lights focused on it. And again, the whistle, coming from the woods where the grass just stopped moving. Only this time, the whistle is quiet. This is the part that shocks us. We are now shining our lights into the woods. There are several large trees in our view. This thing stands up. It looked like a child, but not. It's hard to explain. Despite our lights shining directly onto the figure, it seemed amassed in darkness. Before we could even call out, it stepped behind a tree and was gone. We gathered up the courage to go after it. As we get to the tree, there is nothing. No footprints, no leaves crunching like you would expect to hear in autumn. 
It was like it vanished into nothing. We spent the next hour checking reports for missing children in the area, and we could find nothing. The creepiest part is that it must have been running on all fours when it was in the grass. We have a children's psychiatric hospital in the city, but they had no reports of escapees. To this day, we cannot explain it. And to this day, we continue to park there. Three years have passed, and we never had another experience like that. But my partner is now a believer, and everyone at the department thinks we are crazy. During my ongoing research into the many Bigfoot encounters that have occurred in the Taney County, Missouri area over the years, I posted a request for information on the timeline of a local Facebook group. I was seeking information on Booger place names and received a message from Darla concerning Booger Knob near Rockaway Beach. I saw something a few years ago, but I couldn't really explain what it was and my ex-husband couldn't either. It definitely wasn't any kind of animal either of us had ever seen, but when we stopped and turned around it was gone. Just took it as something we couldn't explain and never really thought too much about it. It was probably about eight feet tall, kind of dark gray with a little brown. Had a mane kind of like a male lion, but shorter hair around the body and legs. Was walking upright on its back legs, but once we got close to our car it got on all fours and took off extremely fast. We slowed down, stopped to turn around immediately, and drove back and forth a few times, trying to see what it was, but it was completely gone or hiding. Never saw it again. I'm not saying what I saw was Bigfoot, but I know I'm not crazy. My ex and I both saw something neither of us had ever seen before in our lives. I can't explain it. I spent a lot of time in the woods, and that was definitely a first. I was working on a pot farm in the Trinity Pines, which is like the size of a subdivision and the properties are divided up like that too. So there's one thousands of one two acre pot farms right next to each other. The pines are notorious for people disappearing, large grow operations and crime in general. A friend and I were headed into town to get pizza and supplies for the roughly 20 people we were working on the hill with. It's about a 30-45 minute trip down dirt roads through the holler to a highway that leads into town, but it's only about 12-15 miles away. It was early evening late afternoon. About 20 minutes into our trip, right before we're off the mountain, this girl comes running out of the trees flagging us down. We stop and let her into car thinking she's another trimmer who just wants a ride into town. I immediately notice she looks frantic, so I ask her if she is alright, and she responds in French and very broken English. From what I could gather, she had escaped from a trim job. They had her shackled or handcuffed to a workspace, and she ran for it when they let her off to piss. Apparently she ran straight down the mountain and straight into us. She said the people who took her captive were Nazis, and they had guns. We ended up dropping her off at the police station in town. This is a strange one. A little over a year ago, back in 2018 in the Grand Teton National Park, I had an encounter with a creature that I simply cannot identify. I have searched and scoured online and have not found anything that resembles the being that I saw. 
I try not to speak of this often, as I fear I will be thought of as a loon. During the summer of 2018, I was working for the National Park Service in the Grand Teton National Park, specifically in the Inner Lakes District. This was my first year in the position, and I was assigned to work at a campground on Blacktail Butt, just outside the main park. I was busy closing the campground, with two other co-workers alongside me. As I was counting the money from the evening before, I heard a very distinct but strange, unmistakable howl coming from the west of the campground. The sound seemed to be coming from the base of the mountain. The campground was located at the base of Blacktail Butt, a small mountain just on the outskirts of the park. From my location, I could see that the sound was coming from the direction of the mountain. There were three other campgrounds located near the mountain, so I could observe all the other campers and employees in the area. For the most part, there were no campers with their dogs in their campsites, so that possibility was checked off. Nor were there any visible dogs in the area. I was trying to determine what this howl was, or if maybe there was a wolf. But the howl was unlike that of a coyote or a wolf. It was very different, difficult to describe. It was similar to the recording of Bigfoot calls that you can hear online. Off the top of my head, I want to say there are the Ohio calls you can look up. I'm sure it's on YouTube, as is everything nowadays. I continued to listen, and as I did, all the other rangers in the area seemed to listen as well. I began asking my co-workers if they had heard the sound, but apparently nobody had heard it from their location. I felt silly, so I kept my mouth shut. After a few moments, I heard another howl, similar but not exactly the same, coming from the same location. I have never heard a coyote or a wolf make a sound like this. It's hard to describe, really. It was then that I realized that none of the other rangers were acknowledging the sounds. They acted strange, nervous, and quick-eyed. It felt as though they had heard it, but were choosing not to say anything. What did they know that I did not? Just as I was almost ready to pack up and leave, I heard a co-worker on the radio. He was calling for a minute. As I was leaving, I could see a person walking in the area of the howls. They were staying in the tree line, but moving steadily up the mountain. I got closer and asked my co-worker if he had seen anybody in the area. He told me that he, too, had been walking around and patrolling the area. I informed him of the sounds I had heard. I wasn't sure what they were, but they were coming from the back part of the campground. He got nervous almost instantly, the second I brought it up. He got close to me and whispered in my ear that he's pretty sure he saw a tall, dark figure moving around on the back section of the park. He said he didn't get a good look at them and claimed he did not want to. He felt an immediate sense of danger and fear. As he spoke to me, I could tell from his voice and body language that he was genuinely concerned. I drove a little bit further, trying to see what it was that he saw. He had told me it was on the back section of the park and that's exactly where I went. After a while, I'm pretty sure I saw what he saw because what I saw was approximately seven feet tall and had the same dark color. I tried to get a better look at it, but I could tell it was right near the edge of the tree line. It had already moved into the tree line, coming from a large meadow. I even told my other rangers about it, but they would not speak to me about it. In fact, one told me to stop talking about it if I knew what was good for me. This particular ranger has not spoken to me since and refuses to.
After I saw this thing enter the tree line, I decided not to follow it. Another thing to keep in mind is that it was pouring down rain during this time, and even then, the ground was hard. There should have been tracks. I went back later to look, but I did not find any, especially in the wet portion of the grass where I saw this thing enter the tree line. It was very strange how I did not find any tracks at all, be it boot prints or animal tracks. After returning to the office, I kept hearing the howls again, almost all night. This time, there were multiples, one coming from the north end of the campground and the other from the east. My belief is that there were two of these creatures communicating back and forth with each other. So now, if I ever hear or experience anything strange, I don't really talk about it with my colleagues. For whatever reason, they seem hell-bent on keeping everything a big secret or conspiracy. I'm not really sure why, but they refuse to talk about it. Perhaps the refusal to acknowledge the existence of these creatures helps them cope with day-to-day -day life. But for me, I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. Lastly, I would like to assure you that what I saw was simply not a person. Nor was it a person in a costume, because what I saw could not be explained as such. The proportions were so often distorted that it would not make sense. The movement alone was different. I also apologize in advance for not having the most descriptive story and account, but you get what you get. Thank you greatly for taking the time to listen to my story. This incident took place when I was in about sixth grade. I'm from Ohio, closer to Kentucky, and we lived in a rural area very far away from people. Our only neighbors were the two houses on the sides of us we lived in the middle house. I was really bored one day and decided to walk through the cow pasture behind my house and into the woods. I began walking and hopped the fence leading into the woods, just exploring for a good hour or so. I didn't stray far, but far enough that I couldn't see my house. As I walked, I got the sense of being watched. That's when I noticed an extremely large buck, bigger than what I'm used to seeing. The antlers were wider than its actual body and seemed sharper than they should have been. It was standing about 20 or so feet away, kind of hidden in the tree line. It was standing at an angle, and it seemed freakishly tall for a deer. The back legs were bent weirdly, and I couldn't see the front hooves. I thought it might be territorial, so I started to back away slowly, not making eye contact. Eventually, I moved out of its line of sight and started heading home. I remember it following me, but still at a distance. There was a noticeable rotting smell, which seemed stronger the closer I got to the deer. As I made my way out of the forest and into the cow pasture, I looked back, and it was standing on the edge of the forest line. It seemed weird, but I shrugged it off. Later that night, around 2-4 a.m., I heard banging outside my window. My window was about 10-ish feet off the ground and faced the back of the house towards the cow pasture. I sat up in my bed, which was pressed up against the window and peeked out. To my horror, I saw the deer scratching and tapping its antlers against the wall of the house. I tried to shoo it away by making noise, but this caused it to look up and stare at me with its piercing, empty eye sockets. Then it slammed its head harder into the wall before standing up on its back legs and stretching. It began pounding and clawing at the wall, slamming into my window, causing the glass to crack. I let out a blood-curdling scream, which seemed to anger it. 
My stepdad came running into my room, ready to scream at me, but then he saw the deer trying to climb its way into my window. It was letting out grunts as it clawed at the wall, and its antlers broke through the glass. I fell out of my bed as my stepdad ran to grab his shotgun, firing off rounds into the creature's head. As he did this, the creature wailed like a human, almost letting out angry screams, before falling back out of the window and crashing to the grass. My stepdad kept firing at it as it continued to wail, before it ran back into the woods in a manner resembling that of a human. Months after this incident, I was living with my grandparents when we received a call that my stepdad had died in an ATV accident that day. What they failed to mention was the fact that the ATV wasn't what killed him. When he initially crashed, he was paralyzed and unable to move, but he was still alive. What happened next was gruesome, he was eaten alive. Half his face, chest muscles, and arm were gone, and they assumed it was wild animals. But the only tracks they found were deer hoof prints. To this day, I don't know what it was. I was told to never talk about it, but now that I live in a city, I wanted answers. So, what do you think?